Tsellis is my mum's name. Tsellis? Yeah. I think Thessaloniki. I reckon a third Ooh. of our guests have been Greek. Oh, really? So. Really? You I'm gonna go work it out. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's a creator maker vibe. Yeah. <laughs> Hi everyone, and welcome to Maker and Creator, the podcast about creativity and culture and how it affects us. My name is Jai Smith, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host Alex Adams. Hi, Jai. How are you? I'm really good. How are you? Yeah, you look good. <laughs> why, do you, why are you always laughing? Well, I, I don't know. Because I've already you... said, how are you? We've already had a chat. Oh, and like... Well, how are you, dear listeners? How's everyone feeling tonight? <laughs> One day somebody will respond. Yeah, someone will like a live Instagram or yeah. tweet us and let us know. Um, we have a, a bit of a serial entrepreneur on the show today. Yeah. And I'm probably going to stuff up their last name, even though I've said it 500 times in front of you guys. I know. There. Now it's all Everyone's built listening. up. <laughs> yes. Um, so it's Ethan Didaskalu. Very good. Did I get Very it? Did good. I get Very it? Good. Yeah. It was perfect. Yay. Don't ask me to say it again. Um, and he <laughs> is the co-founder of a travel and lifestyle luggage brand called July, which I'm dying to hear more about how you came up with that name. A great month. Yes. Yep. It was a, it's your birthday month. It is my yeah, birthday month. I like that. Only the greatest people are born in July. That's, oh, that's what it says. And we just give that away now. <laughs> yeah. um, and then uh, and also Australia's largest online specialty coffee, tea, coffee retailer um, called 3000 Thieves. So welcome to the show, Ethan. Thanks for having me, guys. So this Great is your first podcast. This is officially first podcast. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it it feels great. I'm glad it's <laughs> with you guys. No, it, it, well, the candles have been lit. I feel like you guys have treated me really nice. Yeah, there's a bit of red wine. Gone. Yeah. I, I like how you had a, a half a glass. But it's yeah, already no, I finished it before you guys. Right, yeah, just gonna keep going on that wine. So uh, tell us a bit about you. You, you. You're from Melbourne, like. Yeah. So what's the story? What's the Athen story? What's the Athen story? Uh, well, yeah, I am from Melbourne, uh, born and bred in Melbourne. Uh, really, really love Melbourne, really love Sydney as well. Uh, and I've done a few different businesses in my time. Uh, used to be ex-agency, uh, so I was a strategy oh. guy at, uh, at big agency land. Which one? Uh, DT, part of the Ogilvy Group, yep. part of SDW mm. before they got bought by WPP and a couple of other letters thrown in there yep. as well for good measure. <laughs> Um, and then left that to to start Three Thousand Thieves, which was which was a lot of fun. That was actually a side business that I started during yeah, talk us uh, through that. during the office days. Uh, it was you know it's, it was an experiment, right? So you guys are you guys are professionals, you have your clients, you work with, <laughs> sometimes you know sometimes right? You do you do your things, and um, in the strategy department anyway, your your strike rate of idea to to execution is quite low. You have a lot of ideas, a lot of presentations, a lot of concepts, and uh, but but you know execution typically is up to up to the client. So three thousand thieves <laughs> was actually born out of out of a out of an idea for the strategy team to start doing entrepreneurial ideas within the team, so that we could then experiment oh. ourselves on new things, new ideas, new really? campaigns. Yeah, and and then walk into the room the next day and go, well, we've done marketing automation here with this particular brand, and it worked out really really well. You should do it. You should do it for your stuff. So as opposed to just selling things for the sake of selling them, we'd actually put our own money behind uh, campaigns and execute. And so that was that's how that started. So oh. sorry, is it partly owned by the agency, or do they give you the right? No, no, it was actually just a one hundred percent fully self-funded project. And everyone in the team started a a business, started an idea based on that. So some were e-commerce, oh. some were sort of a little bit more charitable. 
But uh, everything. But you a, started coffee. I started this coffee subscription business because mm. I love the idea of, of subscription. It was the business model itself that yeah. that I loved, and um, and then you start doing things like you know marketing automation with EDM campaigns, uh, talking about like lifetime value of customers, and then like doing attribution models. Mm-hmm. Those sorts of things were fun back then, uh, and that's that's what we based it off. That's how we that's how we had fun with that. So very quickly, this this side business uh, that we used for work was actually starting to grow in, in its own right. And so a lot of people we meet and, you know, if I'm really cynical about it, even when I asked, what's what's the Ethan story? I was like, okay, you know, you left big agency because, you know, they wouldn't give you but they Classic gave, story. Yeah, but yeah. they wouldn't give it. They did give you the chance and you kind of took around oh, with it. These guys were fantastic. I've got no I've got no <laughs> issues with, with big agency land, um, especially with, with the guys that I used to work with. They're a brilliant, brilliant team. How did they kind of cultivate that uh, culture? Oh, God, I'm going to say cultivated culture. How did they kind of create that culture of entrepreneurship? Like how, how, do they, how do they give you that and kind of keep you focused on the business at the same time? Well, you know, they don't fire you for it, right? That's, that's definitely <laughs> like that's got to be key, key Tick thing box number, number one. one. Right? <laughs> someone, someone up there is like, I, I, you know, it comes from the top. That, that's pretty much the main thing. Um, so the main guy, Brian Vella, uh, was actually quite open to the idea, loves the, the you know, the business uh, developed by, uh, first started by David Trewern, an entrepreneur himself. The idea that people love doing their own ideas and it helps them in their day-to-day work yeah is, it shouldn't be frowned upon it's a nice thing yeah um but there is uh, and i do do a, you know i have done it like a talk series on the fact that sometimes your side hustles are going to make you shit at your real job yeah uh, yeah because <laughs> you know if you're good at your side hustle and that grows yeah. then something's going to give and yeah. all, you'll find yourself at a crossroads where you're you're shit at both things uh, where your yep. your side hustle is not getting the attention it deserves to grow, <laughs> yeah. and your your full time job's not getting the attention because you're you're committing your leftovers to the side. Yeah. For anyone out there who's got a side hustle and trying to maintain a real job, is there any point <laughs> yeah. or where, at which or any identifiers where you can go, oh, it's turning to shit before it slaps you in the face and breaks down? Anything that can you can identify that you're yeah, that's, that's really good because mine was shit. They both fields for a while. <laughs> yeah. But what are some things that you yeah. most, um, Ethan, that people could look out for? <laughs> so tell uh, telltale signs that, that you're getting shit at your yeah. job. Yeah. Yeah. At, at, at your side hustle and your job. Yeah. People are upset <laughs> at you constantly. This <laughs> <laughs> the opposite you know? of those help articles. It's like 10 signs you're mid shit. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You don't answer private calls. <laughs> uh, yeah. You're finding your work quality dropping. Uh, no, it, it's a, I think, I think yeah, your it becomes boss is a. pulling you aside. For <laughs> a child. Yeah. It's an emotional stress thing. You, you definitely feel yeah. it, I think. Yeah. Yeah. At some stage, you hit that point where you, where you have to make a call on yeah. what you do. Um, and I'm not going to – I won't advocate for or against side hustles. I think they're, they're right for whatever moment you are, you're in your life. Mm. Um, but I've since then – I've since tried to drop down on that sort of stuff um, and then come back to, to focus on things, which is, which is where we're at with, with July. Yeah. So July was a side hustle of your other side hustle. No, July was was the was the first non side hustle. July was the first where where I sort of dropped and divested out of everything else, uh, and then focused on on the one thing with with my co founder Richard. Was leaving three thousand thieves hard? Uh, it it wasn't because I'm like the 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 caretaker, the the new managing director at the moment is a friend of mine, um, and I still have input right. in, in how that's run, and I know creatively. They still maintain the quality. 
They still maintain the narrative mm-hmm. um, and they're actually <coughs> a lot better at growing the business than I ever was. Yeah. So it's, you know, there's a, there's a classic story of like the founder can get it so far, but then you really need somebody strong in, in sort of financials and, and growth in order to get it to the next level. Um, and, and they're very much doing that now. So, you know, they're, they're in good hands. They're in good hands. And again, I, I think that'd be like another hard lesson to learn, which is somebody might run your business better than you can. Like releasing your baby like that, I think is always probably one of the hardest things. Mm. There's an ego attached to it for sure. Yeah. yeah. One of the best quotes I, I'd ever heard, and I, I think his name's John Mader. I can never say his last name either, but he's a design guy <laughs> based out of the States. Um, and he, he said that he's got an ego big enough that he never needs one at all. You know, <laughs> and I quite like that. You know, I quite like the idea of of, uh, of going, well, you know, I'm, I'm confident in what I've developed. Yeah. I really need to flex that much and, and say that oh, I still need to be a part of it. I still need to control everything. Um, I know that some people can do it a lot better than I can. Yeah. I, I think ego is one of these things that a lot of people struggle with yeah. um, in terms of having enough of it to be, have conviction but then knowing when to let it go so you don't get, you know, ugly baby syndrome. So this idea that just What's because you think. Yeah, what is so- that? <laughs> you, get you got it quite yeah, well. Got it. Entrepreneur too knows. I'm like, oh no. Is your baby ugly? Yeah, and then I'm like, Call oh, in. Alex is calling me out. I'm like, oh God. So um, we do, do this a lot with uh, kind of our innovation work. So you do a hack or you do a ideas day and generally – the boss or someone who's quite senior has created an idea and everyone around them's too afraid to tell them it's shit. So it's like when you have your friend has a baby mm. and it's an ugly baby, oh. but you kind of have to tell them it's it's pretty. Oh my gosh, that's awful. But, it ha- okay, well, <laughs> but so true. Keep lying to your friends about their baby. Yeah. But if your boss or someone you really respect has a bad idea, speak up because yeah. ugly baby syndrome is a little bit, bit like Empress New Clothes, but it means that no one will really be honest with about what it is and it means you won't, Get you won't uh, give it away. But I think that's a terrible parallel because you should 100% not tell a new parent that their baby is ugly, but you should totally speak up and tell your boss yeah. that their idea is ugly. Yeah, and it relates to other things, but basically if you're holding on to something because it is your baby, yeah. but the baby's ugly, yeah. you know, give it away. Interesting. Give away uh, the ugly one. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Does the name have an origin? Just because that question's never going to leave me. 3,000 Thieves. Yeah, beyond uh, it's a bit of a tongue twister. Uh, yeah, it's, um, well, the postcode's 3,000, so it's a tribute to all the Victorian roasters mm. out there. Oh, oh that's, that's cool. Nice. Just a shout out to all the Victorian roasters out there. Yes. Um, and uh, and Thieves was this concept of um, specialty coffee was very much for the nerds and, and, you know, it was so inaccessible for most people. And so the idea was like we were the Robin Hood where we'd come in and we oh, stole it. We stole it for the uh, – <laughs> so yeah, yeah, Sorry, yeah. we're going to take, yeah. take these photos. Of you yeah, that's it. right. Yeah. We, uh, we, stole, we stole the best coffee and gave it to the people, you know. That was the, the concept behind oh, it. Oh, wow. I was about to ruin that and say, is that like a convict-like nod? <laughs> like, you know, the 3,000, you know, anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah cool. Your, you your know, story's much better. There's like. a vibe to it. There's, yeah. a, there's a stealing vibe. You can tell me my, va- yeah. my, my va- vibe is – Your baby's ugly. <laughs> That's very satisfying. I don't know. I'm just really worried if I ever have a baby now that you're going to be holding it in. Like, do I tell her? Your baby's lovely. <laughs> yeah. I was like, ooh. Remember that episode? It was like season two, episode 19 with Ethan. And you said. <laughs> uh, no, I'm really nervous if you have an ugly baby too. Oh, man, I'm not going to have an ugly baby. 
Anyway, moving forward from that. Um, so where did the name <laughs> July come from? July's got a, a, a great name origin uh, in the sense that, especially Aussies, we love to get away in July. Um, oh. So we love to travel in July. We love to go to warmer warmer climates. Yeah. The Northern Hemisphere is always on holidays. And July uh, school holidays. July's just fun. July's great. Know? What day are you born? July 3rd. Uh, that's not the reason, but yeah, yeah, was yeah. it hard from like an SEO perspective trying to yeah. market that? Although, yeah, nobody owns July, you know. That's a from a from a digital oh, perspective. Yeah, um, and we were, we were quite lucky. Uh, well, you know, lucky in a little bit of skill to we, we sort of locked in uh, July across socials, so just at July, which is hmm. quite. Wow, cool. that's amazing! Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, you got to say how. That, that, uh, just you know, a little bit. A little yeah, bit a little bit. Of, did you do it early? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no. Uh, I mean, we did it. We registered <laughs> earlier than like nineteen ninety five in wow. July as well last year. We've only been around for for a year. We're quite fresh. Mm. Yeah. Um, but you know, that's that's actually a key point to building trust with the online brand. Yeah. So if it feels legitimate, from even the the real small things like what the Twitter handle is, what the Instagram yep. handle is. Yeah. Um, if you can build trust with those little things, it just hel- it helps with conversions, it helps with people loving the brand. Yeah. It helps with a whole a whole heap of things. So we found that it wasn't being used, Stardust, yep. and then the process to, which was lucky, and then the process to get that name is where the, the sort of time and skill yeah. went into and just, you know, lobbying and, and talking to people. When, when this came up, I'm like, how does anyone start a luggage brand? Like, I mean, I stared at walls of it and, you know, I read your thing and I'm like, this has got to be a cool story um, because I think luggage feels utilitarian and it feels like it's all been done, but clearly it hasn't. Um, I don't know, what what was you, what were you thinking from a... Yeah, I just thought, well, that's, that's ballsy to yeah. do a, yeah, a is, luggage right? brand. Yeah, I was like, what makes July different and yeah. special? What does? <laughs> Well, <laughs> I'm glad you asked. Having never, you know, used your luggage or seen your luggage, but like I love your online presence. I love the Instagram and I, I love the colors. I, yeah, I love the color palette, yeah, and cool. I just think aesthetically it's really pleasing. And I think, oh, I want to check out their luggage. I saw some of your luggage has like a charging point in yeah. it, which I thought was really cool. I would love that while I'm traveling. Um, Does but it charge up from the whirring of the wheels? No, because go, actually, there's, there's a there's actually we did a little bit of uh, user experience research on that. Yeah, you actually don't roll your wheels enough to ever charge a battery <laughs> even oh, close. Yeah, really? you, you actually just go from taxi to to front stand. Mm. I guess even uh, a long airport isn't that long. Yeah, yeah, it's actually not that much. Mm. Uh, we we thought about it. Um, yeah, how do you start a luggage brand? And uh, why? Like, why, why did you start yeah. a luggage, start brand? luggage brand? Yeah. So wait, go back. So you've like done the coffee business, and then how did you start July? So, uh, as you guys would probably know, when you're when you're self-employed and you're doing your own thing, you spend a lot of time in coffee shops, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you find your favorites. You find the ones that probably don't have to spend too much. Yeah, uh, and they're beautiful. Uh, they're great to be in. The music's nice. The people are great. You find your little your little nook. And yeah. you do your thing. Uh, there's a beautiful coffee shop in, in Melbourne called A Coffee uh, run by these guys who are just like aesthetically absolutely stunning. The coffee's amazing. There's nothing there but a machine and a white room. Mm-hmm. Really, really nice. Uh, and so that's where I'd spend like most of my time. Uh, and so my co-founder for July, Richard, uh, was also – he'd started an uh, online business called Brosa, mm-hmm. uh, which is online furniture, direct-to-consumer. Uh, he's an Ikea killer. Really, 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 really good stuff. Big business. Did you say IKEA? Oh, right. IKEA killer. Yeah, yeah. You know, just like, you know, you either go to IKEA or you get like a lot better quality stuff yep. through through these guys. Okay, uh, cool. Yeah, yeah. Similar yeah. price points. Uh, so he'd always been there and we sort of connected through 
through there, you know, because you're always just hanging out with the same people. You just you <laughs> get to know the guys who are always working in the in the shop. Open your little laptop. Yeah, you're just like, hey, you just hey, like, hey, <laughs> <laughs> how you doing? Yeah, good. You know, and and he's, you know, he's a brilliant, brilliant guy. He's brilliant mind. Really analytical. Really supply chain. Mm. Yeah. You know, super business. And and I'm not that right. And so just chatting to this guy about stuff, we'd have these totally opposite viewpoints on on topics and things. And but still get it. We just got along really, really well. And uh, and the biggest thing that we we're talking about was was this sort of drive to performance marketing. Everyone was really hung up on performance marketing. They thought it was the the savior, but it just keeps getting more and more expensive. Mm-hmm. You need to start mm-hmm. focusing on brand. And uh, and sort of the brand stuff was is what I'd been doing for for such a long time. Yep. Um, and so we're like, well, you know, what if we you know had this sort of you know this performance side, this marketing side? Wouldn't it be great if we could tackle some? You know a real problem out there and uh and then you, you know you start talking about the the growth of different business models so you know with three thousand thieves it was it was um the subscriber thing and that was really popular back then um and at the moment it's this rise of direct to consumer where mm-hmm. it's never been easier to actually go and manufacture something retail it online and be your own uh, you know manufacturing marketing distribution channel. yeah really never absolutely never been easier to do it. and that's why you're seeing a big rise of it especially in the u.s um and so we're like, well, once once you know something's broken, once you once you get to a table and it's a bit wonky, it sits in the back of your head like, <coughs> I need to fix. I need to actually do something about this. I need to fix this thing. You know, it's just it, it can annoy you. And and once you once you've been alerted to how bad the luggage industry is, really, like what? It's such a it's such a rip. Okay. Most companies, and when I say most companies, they're ninety percent owned by Samsonite. Yeah, uh, right. Samsonite wow. owns everything. Which are expensive. Yeah. Yeah. The, the Samsonite brand ones are expensive. They own American Tourista, which is their, oh. you know, they've got a multi-brand portfolio mm-hmm. where they own American Tourista, they own Delsey, they own Toomey. Do they own Toomey? They own Toomey as well. They own everything. Yeah. So they've they've sort of done their positioning and they've. Gone. I have said things out like, oh, I'm definitely a Toomey man, not a Samsonite. Oh my god, that's <laughs> hilarious! I had no yeah. idea that. Shumi and Samsung yeah. are owned by the same people. Yeah, right. They own everything. So, and their whole thing Full. is make it as cheaply as possible, distribute it out as much as you can. Mm. Uh, so, you know, the, the this is the likelihood of you buying luggage, right? You're two to three weeks out from your trip. Yeah. You'll go, well, I need, I need some luggage and I'm of age and, uh, you know, income where I, I feel like treating myself to a set. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so you know, that's, I'm that's, 33. I can buy that, luggage. That's now. definitely a thing. It's like when you buy your first Telstra SIM. You're like, I am. I have made an adult. it. This is a thing now. You know, I can get reception anywhere. You know, Hunter Valley, oh, come at me. Yeah, I'm. I'm streaming wherever. That's that's what luggage buying Netflix is like. Netflix and right? chill exactly. on the bus. Exactly. You know, oh, wait, in my car. Treat yourself oh, to, a, to a set. You know, that, that's what an upgrade yeah. feels like. So you're, you're probably going to go to, uh, you know, a Strandbags or a Maya or, or a DJ's, depending on where you are. And they're like in the corner. They're tucked in the corner. You go there. Nobody knows anything about them. And you're like, oh, I kind of, I kind of know what I want to spend on, the, on it. It's kind of the right color. Price is kind of okay. Uh, and you're either going to go for the brand you know or the brand you don't. Mm-hmm. And most people go, well, like, oh, well, Samsung's kind of the same brand. So it's $800. Reduce to four hundred dollars, and you know it costs thirty dollars to make. Really? But so many people clip the ticket along the way that you know it's it's just everyone has to make their fifty percent margin. The oh. the manufacturer definitely made money off that that forty dollar manufacturing cost. 
So you, you've paid a lot of money for something that's really not that that valuable. Yeah. Um, so once you know that, you're like, well, okay, Richard, my, my business partner, manufacturing guru, uh, knows how to make a lot of different things and knows how to get, actually get quality out of factories, mm. which is a very, very unique skill that I've, I've come to realize. Yeah. Because uh, anyone can get things made, but factories typically will, you know, we'll just go, oh, I'll just give them this stuff. You know, they, they won't know the difference. Yeah. Uh, but you've really got to be on the floor checking knowing the material you really got to be there and 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 he definitely is that so uh we were like well what if we what if we could make uh an amazing suitcase that would retail typically for plus a thousand dollars but because we're direct because we're doing it ourselves we maintain a typical margin that that anybody any other retailer would make but we we throw it all back into quality and we can do things like offer lifetime warranties and things like that because of it um lifetime warranty yeah, yeah, lifetime warranty. So because we know the we know we've thrown everything back, right? So never not saying Have that. Have you seen ever. how baggage handlers yeah. treat yeah. people's bags? Totally, totally. You know, not saying that it will never ever break, right? You put an you know, you throw an elephant uh, you know, on top of it, I'm sure Let's it will break, it. right? I you know, but but it's it's pretty damn strong and and it's because the quality's there and we haven't gone cheap on it. Oh. Um and uh, and because we're direct and we, we own the customer, we can do it all ourselves. So that's that's where that resulted in, that, and, and we knew that we could do it. Uh, so we well, we knew in theory that we could do it. So we went to we went to the factories and started developing. Uh, we designed it in, in Melbourne. Uh, we based the design off uh, actually like like any other research, we based the design off off reading other people's reviews mm-hmm. um, and listening to what people had talked about and complained about with with luggage, mm-hmm. um, which is quite interesting because we're coming to the game late. There are so many other luggage brands out there. Yeah, mm. and so we. We just read everything. And so the biggest thing was that polycarbonate was is one of the best materials out there <coughs> to use for luggage. Um, it's light, it's strong, it's all the things, but it's weak at its corners. So it, we'd find a lot of reviews, negative reviews, talk about how the corners were bent in or how they'd press on, on certain things after the after a heavy flight or there was yeah. a lot of weight in the bag. Um, so, we, so that was our first brief. Uh, we were like, great. Hey, designer, help us create a bag that sort of a polycarbonate bag that had its corners protected. Who designs these things? Industrial designers. There's people out there, but you know, you give them. You got to. It depends on the brief. Here in Australia or overseas? Yeah, yeah. We got somebody in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Oh. Design agency was was ODO, but John was the the main driver of that from ODO. He was really good. Um, he sort of heard the heard the research, and we're like, look, you know, we need to protect the corners somehow. Can we figure something out? So that, that informed his brief. Uh, and it's quite interesting, right? Because it's this game of design and manufacturing where the designer will come up with something and, then, and the manufacturer will be like, that's silly. Yeah, we can't don't do be that. crazy. Exactly. So it becomes this, this dance of what, what can and can't happen. So, the, and this is, this is a really interesting one, this, this particular part of the, of the, the design challenge. Um, the, the curvatures of the case, the way that the case is shaped is based on two things. The black thing that holds the handle Bit black, black, black bit of plastic that holds the handle. The that recesses the handle. Yeah, it's like a L-shaped thing that's just where the telescopic handle sits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that thing dictates the shape, like this. Mm. And the plastic thing that holds the wheel, so the wheel housing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, little black curvature thing that actually dictates that shape. So most companies just take them off the shelf because. Uh, What's the difference? Yeah. You know, they're twenty cents if we take them off the shelf versus four dollars if we really. If that's we have the to difference. Make them, yeah, that's the difference because you could spend oh. around oh. fifty Australian, fifty thousand Australian to remold and get new molds out. So you're in this position of like, 
a compromise. You're like, do we just do we just take off the shelf and and do that, or do we make it mm. ourselves? The designer's like, look, if you want your brief to be met, you have to make it yourself because the curvature of the case is actually rounder. So we've got a more of an eggshell shape so that it bounces back. Oh. The only way you can do that is creating your own creating your own wheel housing. So all of a sudden your budget went from X and then it went to X. Yeah, like, damn totally. it. So, but like if you want to, you know, if you just want to sell luggage, then, yeah. then you just get everything off the shelf. But in order to meet the at least the very first part of the brief, yeah. we're like, we need to make everything ourselves. So wow. We, so Was that kind of a, a spanner yeah. in the works you hadn't anticipated? Uh, we we found somebody uh, who's who was very generous with his money up front. Okay. Um, so I was going to say, like, did you bankroll this all yourself, or you found uh, some investors? We we had an angel investor up yeah. front who gave us uh, gave us quarter quarter mil. Cool. Uh, I was just about to say, like, yeah. if if it's okay to talk about those figures in yeah. terms of like, yeah, to, to launch a business of this size and to kind of go through you know the, the trial and, and manufacturing is that I know it's we can't really say common when talking about luggage, but it's. Yeah. It's not a huge sum, but it's not. It's definitely not small either, right? It's not small. So a lot of a lot it's of not small for Australia, you know. Yeah, like it's yeah. hard to get money out of Aussie investors. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. yeah, it's it's definitely the biggest challenge with any startup. Yeah. Um, and and in particular, if you're dealing with product as well, physical yeah. product needs to be manufactured. If you're if you're SaaS and software, yeah, a lot of it goes to wages, and you probably get away with it for a little bit. Yeah. Um, but as soon as you put that order through, like even if you don't remold, mm. um, as soon as you put an order through, mm. you uh, you know you have to pay for the container. Yeah. So you all of a sudden you've you know you need capital. Mm. Um, so that's that's definitely that's definitely a big challenge for anyone starting up, especially in product. Uh, but we were lucky, you know, we had a we had somebody who believed in us. Um, and gave us gave us a bit of bit of angel up front, mm-hmm. just so we can get things over the line. Yeah. So we did go for it. We did the molding. Uh, we did the the rounded edges. We protected it with aluminium on the top. Um, so we did all the things for the corners, and we created the case we wanted to create, which was great. Amazing. And yeah. what size was the first case? Was it the the carry on? The carry on. That was yep. the carry on. Yeah. So we we pre launched in um, in December. Uh, so that we could get some Christmas sales and we gave people, we didn't have the cases then. Yeah. So we gave uh, people a, a promise, uh, which was a leather tag with, uh, it was a monogrammed leather tag. Cool, <laughs> that's uh, nice. People yeah. froth over that shit at the moment. It's like, yeah, get my great. name on it. Exactly, exactly. And and we just, um, we wanted to give somebody uh, something for Christmas. Yeah. Mm. Um, these guys pre- pre-committed to to buying a July uh, and we wanted to give them something. So we, we made these beautiful leather tags, put their name on it. Mm. Uh, and sent them out, and so we sold our first container on that on that pre-sale. Wow. How promise. did you do that? Was it like a Kickstarter thing, or you had a database? Or uh, no, no, we had neither of those things. <laughs> we did neither of those things. Kickstarter, we we shied away from because it feels like a Kickstarter brand, like yeah. Kickstarter, and you're yeah. always bound by this Kickstarter <laughs> yeah. taint. And it's very much an audience thing. It's it's very much um, yeah. like tech dudes. Yeah. Mm. It'll be a Lord of the Rings revolving golem. Yeah, and, then, and they'll get Maybe. super excited about like the capacity of the battery as opposed to the quality of the wheels yeah. or the or the shades of colors and things like that. So we we uh, specifically went against the the sort of Kickstarter stuff, uh, and we didn't have a database either. We just did um, you know a little bit of PR up front. Uh, and and friends and family networks yeah. build out. You know, it's just a just a good local. Yeah. With local push. Cool. And so how great. many was in that first shipping container? Oh, yeah, it would have been around 2,000. That's amazing. Yeah. Really? Yeah, maybe, That's maybe great. Maybe a bit less. Maybe like 15. Wow, what a great story. 1,600. Yeah, yeah. Give yeah. or take. Yeah. Don't hold me to those numbers. But no, yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> it was a lot. It was we'll a lot. Yeah, 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 yeah. I want to see you. See your receipts. I want the order. Yeah. 
So cool. So you sold those. Everyone gets their leather-bound cards, uh, Nate, little um, uh, yeah, luggage tags, and then we were like, you were like, shit, well, we've got to deliver these. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much that's pretty much it. Uh, they were coming anyway. Uh, we knew that we knew that they were they were coming, uh, but they arrived in February. So. They, and you'd had prototypes, right? Like you knew what these were going to look like. There was no surprises. Yeah, no surprises. Uh, okay, we yeah, had renders. Good. We had yep. prototypes. Uh-huh. We knew all the things, but uh-huh. you know, not final, final, final thing. Yeah. Um. So there's, there was a little bit of faith in that, but the order had been placed, and we we have partnered up with one manufacturing partner who have just been absolutely fantastic in in helping us get this over the line. Yeah. So and that was the other thing as well. You know, directing consumer, you don't just Go to forty factories. Mm. You find one partner, and you go with them. Okay. Um, you know they, they sort of believe in you. They buy into the story. Yeah. They trust that you know they'll do this small volume now for yeah. larger volumes in future, uh, and and you become partners with these these guys. Wow, which is quite cool. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so what was it like shipping off those first those first uh, orders? It was hectic. <laughs> we didn't we didn't sleep for a few weeks. Uh, it was great though. You know? Did you have an office at this point, or is that even your your garage? Yeah, yeah, no, no. We were um, we were in a co working space. Okay, uh, so it wasn't still at the coffee shop. It wasn't still no. It wasn't still at the coffee shop. We were at uh, we were in a co working space in Fitzroy called Neighbourhood, which was fantastic. Mm. Uh, we uh, we grew out of there, and eventually the the sort of like the packaging and the boxes started arriving, and just wasn't the right the right space. To, to fill that out. So we found a, like a little warehouse down the road in Collingwood. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and we sort of started off there. I mean, we're still there now. Yeah. Uh, this this warehouse is quite funny because when we were first in there, it was just two little Ikea desks and, and Richard and I and a lot of room. And we're like, we're never going to, we're never going to use this. And, and today, like uh, when I went this morning to drop something off before I, before I, I came here to Sydney, it was like jam packed. <laughs> there's there's ten of us crammed in there. Ten, there's really? cardboard everywhere. Uh, you know, there's a dog, po- little pockies floating <laughs> around, which is, which is somewhere. He's the Gotta cutest. have an office yeah. mascot if we can exactly. find him. Exactly, he's cute, man. A little Shiba, like ah, he's, he's, love a Shiba, right? And um, and so it's been, it's it's just crazy, you know. So it's it's fun to still be in the same, be in the same spot to see that growth because very very recently. It was uh, it was a big risk, very empty space, and we didn't know what was going to happen. So that was like 2018, right? And this is all last uh, fe- February, like six Feb- six to eight months ago. Yeah. Wow. So your business is less than a year old. Yeah, we registered in July. Okay. It, again, not the reason why, but we just you know we had, I think we were like going to do it in June, and we're yeah. like we should just wait till July to register this yeah. thing. Yeah. You know, that'd be that'd be like cooler. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and yeah, we didn't have the we, we um, pre-sold in December. And wow. uh, yeah, and had the stock in February. That was only one product, only the carry on. Okay. Uh, and after we launched that, we developed the two larger sizes. Yeah. Which we launched in July. These are so cheap, by the way. Yeah, like How much decent. Are they, price. I wouldn't say too. You know, they're not cheap, cheap. Like you can definitely go to Kmart and get like like a a three three ninety five. And is for that the, the check plus? That's the bigger plus. Oh, that's, that's the bigger the big plus. The whole family, uh, the whole family can get for eight ninety five. Oh. Like that's insane. Like I paid. I know well, it's all relative, You would have paid $1,200 for your Rimuru carry-on. Sure. Yeah, Jai, you have expensive taste. Tell your Sims, Rimuru. Not everyone will spend that much on luggage, so it's yeah. all relative like, about what And it lasts for me six years of, of hardcore travel. But yeah, yeah. No, it, still, it still exists. Yeah. But, yeah. You know, you should Sims. have a lifetime warranty. 
<laughs> no, that's you know what. Actually, as you said that, I three thought years. That, I think f- yeah, uh, five, five in Hong five, Kong because yeah. it's a Hong Kong company. I think or Hong Kong are one of the biggest endorsers. It's Cathay Pacific's. It's I mean, a re- German company. Yeah, yeah, German? yeah. They're German. Yeah, I mean, rumor is rumor is great and and uh, under new leadership now. So LVMH have bought. Rimmer, That's right, yeah. And they gave the CEO ship to um, I can't remember his name, Alex something. Um, and he's like doing, you know, new things, he's refreshing the brand, so people mm. are sort of getting back into it. But like, you know, Rimmer's good luxury high end brand, right? And and we're not saying like they're not any good. Rimmer's they're they're a brilliant brand, but what we're finding is that people own their their Louis Vuittons and their their Rimmer's. Yeah. They don't wanna they they look like a bit of a tosser like using them every day and and they don't want to either you know they might have them but they don't always want to and so we find a lot of people like if they've owned those bags they end up coming to july as their daily mm. um, because the quality's there the price points there they can beat them up and they know it's okay how did you manage that growth so quickly like with a team growing that quickly like i think a lot of the people that we've spoken to in startup phase they're either just starting up or they're about to get there but and even from other people I've spoken to, that the most difficult period is there's that scale up going from you know one or two to ten in this case, and I mean both from a cultural point of view, but also from a you know a financial point of view as well. Yeah, I mean the financial part's the easier part because there is a stress there, but it's solved pretty easily. Um, so you know, you and it's to, transactional stress, like yeah, that's right. As soon as you get to one point, you know, you know, you can go out and start raising. Um, I I think all of this comes back to. Um, it comes back to like the partner that you that you have, yeah. Uh, and if you have a good business partner, and of course a good life partner as well. But if you have a, re- a really good business partner who's understanding and the opposite to you, I really think complementing business skills are one of the most fundamental things to a successful business. Uh, I've come to realize that over over the course of how many how many things that I've I've been a part of. Mm. Um, but really, you know, that's sort of like the the um, the fundraising side of things. Finding, finding money, finding investors, finding new people to talk to, very much uh, Richard's Richard's cup of tea. Yep. Uh, and he's built those relationships over years. Oh, wow. Uh, whereas the sort of cultural stuff uh, is probably <coughs> where I've, I play a stronger role. Yep. And I've sort of taken that. And so we've, we've kind of naturally understood, hey, everyone's involved in everything, mm. but that's definitely your thing and this is definitely my thing. Mm. Yeah. You know? it's, and again, coming back to that at the start where that ego thing lies is, you know, just because you are one of the founders or one of the owners, you know, sometimes it's like, oh, if they're doing the cultural stuff, I've got to run over here too and be cool. That's exactly yeah. That's exactly it, yeah. yeah. And we've very much understood the, the differences mm. um, and gone, yeah, you just do that. That's no, great. I think that's solid advice. Uh, it, it, it's helped us a lot. It's helped us grow a lot. It means that we're now two people as opposed to one, but like the same yeah. people doing over yeah. things over and over again. Um, you know, and there needs to be a trust there as well, right? Mm. So you need to be able to trust the other person. You need to know that uh, they're on a call with a lawyer. Do I need to be there? Mm. They've got it. They're okay. I know these guys. Yeah, are that's huge, great. right? Like, yeah. yeah, you don't. Yeah, and and sometimes, yeah, like I, especially for me, like sometimes I get caught up in how people communicate things, and I'm like, oh, maybe I should just be on this call. Maybe I should just come over and listen to this, and then it's like, yeah. Sounds like you got a lot of trust in your business partner. Mm. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, and he's, he's a smart guy. Like, why, why not? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like you you partner with and you hire smart people, mm. not so that you can micromanage them. Yeah. yeah. You know, they're smart for a reason. Let them do their thing. Yeah. Uh, and I'm definitely not the smartest guy in the room. So I like <laughs> I like when smart people just do their thing, and I, I learn a lot off that, and I, I absorb a lot as much as I can as well. Awesome. Have you always been? I mean, you 
you're you obviously have an entrepreneurial flair and there's a lot of creativity there and you're a go-getter to actually make shit happen. But what were you like as a kid? <laughs> have you always been like this? Uh, I <laughs> Did you bring any photos? Did I bring any photos? We don't need to see the baby photo. But I'm curious, <laughs> like what kind of person were you as a kid? Did Were you always like this or ha- did something change to make you more like this? What was like, did your parents encourage it? How did yeah, you, uh, how'd you get to be who you are? It's an interesting question that uh, I wasn't prepared for. <laughs> uh, no, I mean we spoke about it offline before, right? Like there's a there's a bit of a um, uh, a cultural acceptance yeah. to being a bit entrepreneurial, in, especially in the Greek community. But I would say European community. I would extend yeah. it out. Yep. And and they're they're pretty open to things like that. I know my family are very much like that. Uh, we talk about my parents. My parents explicitly are, are very much. Uh, quite entrepreneurial and, and risk takers. Um, I mean, my you know, my dad's sort of done a few different things. They've they've both had quite boring careers in insurance. Okay, but then um, within that, have actually done some very fun and exciting projects along the way as well. You're right. And so their, their appetite for risk is quite high, and I think that's sort of been passed on. Which is interesting, being people in insurance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Right? So know, I've given you a risk profile of ninety-five. They know nothing happens. Know, there's a tornado yeah. once every thirty years. They, they know nothing happens. Uh, no, but you know, my, my dad's always done. My mum's actually been quite brilliant um, because uh, oh, I've never really said this out loud. Actually. But she, she's quite brilliant in the sense that she's very open to starting things from scratch and not having a worry about it in the world. There's no ego attached to it, right? Talking about ego. She's got no ego at all in that sense because she knows, like, I'm just going to do this and let's just see what happens. I remember that she wanted to be a dressmaker, so she enrolled in, like, Box Hill TAFE to learn how to start sewing again. Like, she already knew how to sew but wanted to take it up the next level, went right to the bottom, learned how to redo it again, Yeah. then started working for a dressmaker who makes really beautiful, uh, you know, haute couture. I don't know if that's how you say it, but, you know, <laughs> that really fancy dress stuff. And, um, and, you know, she just, she was just brilliant, you know, and she learned all that. And then she's like, okay, I've done this for five years. I'm done now. I'm going to go and start a shoe brand. Wow. So she went and did that. And again, from the bottom, like, you know, went to, went to buying, buying fairs and did all that stuff. Really? So she's, she's been brilliant. So she's quite cool at, at like just going, well, I don't really know and I'm comfortable not knowing. So let's just figure this out. Oh, uh, I yeah, love that. Really nice, right? yeah, I yeah. wish you could see Alex's smile just there. <laughs> oh, oh, God, so nice. Yeah, I know. I just took a photo and, of it. <laughs> No, really I nice. love stories like that because I think, you know, it, yeah. it is. You are sometimes you're so focused on – I know with myself I'm so focused on what's in the future that sometimes yeah. you, know, you throw – and you, I can see that in you as well. And when someone throws you a curveball of like, but, yeah, what, how do you think you got here even way yeah. back as a kid? And it's kind of nice just to think, oh, maybe it was, you know, my parents doing this or, you know, it was friends at school or whatever yeah. it was. Oh, I love that. Um, your mum sounds like a legend. Yeah, she is. <laughs> Tell me about you guys though. Like what's the, what's the backstories there, you know? <laughs> I want to know a little bit. I know I'm reversing this interview a little bit, you know, but I, I feel like having listened to some of your podcasts, you guys don't talk enough about yourselves. Oh, yeah. I okay. Well, my mum is – she has a bit of an entrepreneurial spirit and she's she's Greek, uh, yeah. so she was born in Greece. So maybe Shout out to all the Greeks out there. Yeah, it's a Greek thing maybe. Um, but she uh, immigrated when she was uh, nine and came on a boat from Greece and, you know, that famous, uh, that sort of infamous um, immigrant immigrant story of my Yampapur coming over, literally having the equivalent of like $10 in their pocket, two young kids under the age of nine. They didn't know any English, but they'd heard that Australia was this great country and they came to Melbourne. My mum learnt how to speak English on the boat 
And then when they got wow. here, she would go around to the factories and like help her parents get work. Really? And my <laughs> papu was a, um, you know, he was a butcher and my ya, she worked in factories and, you know, they just worked really, really hard. And my mom would go to like, English school and then she'd go to Greek school and just worked really hard. And then she went to, um, got into medicine. She's pretty smart. She got into medicine at Melbourne Uni. Oh. Um, did a couple of years of it and wanted to just, she didn't, it wasn't for her and she wanted to get away probably from like an overbearing Greek family, I guess. She wanted to like <laughs> spread her wings and soar and she ended up going to Armidale to study um, lecturing and like teaching mm. and met my dad who's a Broken Hill boy in nice. the Outback and they planned on going to Broken Hill for a year just to save some money and they ended up staying there 35. Five years, I think. Wow. Uh, But when she was in Broken Hill, uh, mum kind of went back to medicine and she uh, became an alternative medicine and she became a reflexologist. So she would- Very progressive, right? Yeah. That would have been huge. That was like nearly 20 years ago. So quite progressive, particularly in a small country town. But my, I guess my mum showed me- that entrepreneurial sense of, you know, she worked really hard. She would work at school all day and then she would have clients. She had like a little clinic set up. We had quite a big house and she had a clinic set up in her site in the side of the house and she would see clients after school and, you know, the money that she made, it was like a holiday money. So we had to like saved up and we went to Disneyland when we were kids and then we, you know, go on these other holidays and I, she gave me a job when I was really young of being her secretary. So when people would call, I would be responsible for making the appointments and she that's how I got my pocket money. Nice. And she kind of from an early age taught me, yeah, you can start your own business and you can have a family and you can have other jobs and you can do everything. So I think we're giving shout outs to mums. I guess mine's probably, you know, taught me What a great similar. story. How nice is that, you know? That's uh, entrepreneurial from day one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah she was. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've never yeah, heard that you, Tell us about your mum, Jo. Yeah. It wasn't so much – well, like my, my mum's great. Like she's always been there for me, you know, like just done whatever I've asked for or needed, probably more importantly what I haven't asked for. It. Um, like I think for me I've always told the same story. It's always been my grandfather started the – uh, the style of oysters, putting them in a jar. So he he was one of the first guys who did that in Sydney. Right, so and pickled? We, no, no, okay. there's oysters in a jar. No one had worked out to shuck an oyster, put in a jar of salt water and sell that. Wait, what? I I've never I've heard never that. seen that. No, what? I don't think you see it anymore. So this what? is even So we still sell it. Sorry, when I say we, my dad owns uh, Smith Seafoods at Blakehurst, which is a, a, a fish and chip shop. But the real business is oyster wholesaling. Wow. And, in fact, he retires in February. He was meant to retire last February, but he didn't. But his grandfather used to open oysters with a, a big team of Greeks, actually. Like, that was, like, one of the good immigrant prof- professions. Imagine trying to hire somebody as an oyster opener now. Like, it's insane. But he was responsible for putting them into little jars and, like, little sauce jars. Um, I might even just bring it up here. Uh, and, basically, it's a jar of oysters that people, you know, back then when you really loved oysters, you would just – Eat them out of a jar. I'm going to put them up here. So, oh, okay. Like the, you can get from the seafood section, you can get. Yeah. But I thought they were pickled, like pickled oysters. No, nah, they're just in a jar. <laughs> what? I'm trying to find the so jar we weird. have. It, it's, it's more like that kind of jar. It's a long jar. I've never seen this before. I've never heard of this. <laughs> so anyway, we, we, we wholesaled oysters. Okay. And I think, like, look, there are, there are definitely lessons that I took from dad in terms of, you know, 
just how to treat staff and how to treat customers. But I don't think it was that in terms of how I ended up doing, especially what I'm doing now. I think it was more that idea that um, I was so... I was so unhappy with the way people told me that things should happen and I think it for me it was a little different. Like it, it was definitely born out of just being a stupid, rebellious teenage boy and just saying, no, I don't want to do it this way, I don't want to do it a different way. But I think because creativity was not overly encouraged in what I did that I'm like, no, I just want to do this anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the commercial sense of valuing your time and getting paid for what you do, that that all came from my dad. But it wasn't necessarily explicit. It was more in terms of work and get the rewards for it and then do what you want. Definitely. Both me and my dad just love toys. Like, yeah. I mean, he loves boats, he loves cars, <laughs> and he said, well, you want it, just go and work. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. So it was much that. more practical that way Like, because I am very different than my parents, <laughs> but it, it's definitely what they've done for me has just been completely immovable. Like, they've just always been there. Yeah. And I am so the other way in terms of I can't sit still that I need that balance in my life, but it, it's it's come at you know some big costs probably you know financial and otherwise. But no, I think I, I think they've been great, but in a very different sense. Mate, there's a great lesson in there that I, I learned later on in life. But the the fact that he does retail and wholesale is something that a lot of people don't understand yeah. for a long time. They just go, well, you know, cafes look nice. I'll own a cafe. And you don't really see the business end behind it. That is really the machine that drives it all. You know, this sort of like wholesaling oysters is actually the business. And you're like, mm-hmm. fish and chips is like a little bit of retail, employs the family, we have a bit of fun, but like nobody else sees that wholesale that, side. And you that's know? exactly what people, and that's why I gave that big, you know, it's a fish and chip shop, but that's not really what it is. Because people see that and they're like, there must be a lot of money in fish and chips. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And dad drives exactly. his, his got Range no Rover somewhere. Number it's, one, it's, it's <laughs> terrible choice of vehicle. Sorry, dad, but I hate it. And people are like, that's a lot of bloody fish and chips he's sold over the years. <laughs> What's the cost of a chip? And you're like, Jesus, like, do yeah. you think we could ever sell enough chips to buy a Range Rover? Like, just, just think about the that's, bank looking at you going, you can have like a $150,000 car for chips. <laughs> That's the genius part of it, you know. I've never gotten that out, actually. <laughs> you had a lot of that pent up. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. <laughs> there are years of going, oh, it's a lot of chips you've sold. But incredible Shut. seafood, the best prawns it, it, I've ever had. Oh, that, was, that, oh, was, that is still some of the best prawns I've ever had at your uh, yeah. Christmas party. They were amazing. They were really good. I was like, please, <laughs> Mr. Smith, can I have your finest prawns? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we don't anyway. trust, but... Um, uh, Thank you for asking about us. Someone yeah. else asked us about that last week. That's no, really it's, nice. It's nice, you know. It's, it's a good thing. I'm always like, whoa, hang on. We're, we're not whoa, whoa, talk whoa, about whoa. us. <laughs> um, but it's been really nice having you on the show. I, I can't wait to – I what's next? Hang on, just before I forget, oh. on the cafe side, go back to episode two, season one. It's an, it's an episode with uh, Stephen Dyer. It's called Cafe's Culture and Creativity, maybe. Okay. That episode – Culture, Greek culture, cafe culture, you'll love it. Yeah. 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 Actually, we delve quite a lot into lockout laws yeah. and Sydney nightlife you and culture will, yeah. and yeah, right. um, all that. Yeah, that, gosh, right that was ages ago. That was yeah. really good. Um, last question, what's next? What's next? Well, we, we've only got three products at the moment. We've only got three different sizes. Uh, this, I mean, depending on when uh, when we release this, this podcast episode, uh, we'll be launching a few other products leading into Christmas. Uh, and then we've got a big surprise coming in, in February as well that's Ooh. actually going to change the game. 
the luggage game. We're going to change the luggage game. Uh, we're 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 gonna. Well, we've got a couple of products that that are not just color changes, not just limited runs. We've got a couple of things that are actually going to take um, take Samsonite hopefully to school and and really show them how things are done. The biggest wheels on our luggage ever. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> just something really obscure. <laughs> we've got six USB yeah. holes. In it, you know? Six wheels. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, two it's, handles. These guys, you know, these guys have got no idea. Samsung, they're just so old school and, and they've just been doing things for so long the exact same way. They probably don't even see us as, as anything. So it's, you know, it's time to get on their radar and show them what we can do. Love it. I love it. Thank you so much for coming Thanks on the show. Me. It's been wonderful. And thank you guys for listening. As always, um, we're coming to the close to the end of season two. Uh, so if you um, haven't had a chance to listen to all the episodes, go back, find some of your favorites. If you've got any feedback, you can find Jai. He's at Jai Smith. Oh, yeah. That was a big change. He's changed his Instagram. What is it? At Jai Smith? Yeah, it's just at Jai Smith. At Jai Smith. Um, <laughs> I haven't. Mine's still MS oh, I have Miss four Darlinghurst. years of telling people that other address and I'm, yeah, anyway, I'm done. Here, I, I can't I can't keep up. Don't anyway, worry, just, just, just talk to me. Smith. Just I'm, Smith, I'm so. Ms. Darlinghurst. You can use up. That's it for now. Thanks, guys. Thank bye. you. Bye. bye. bye.